gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast the crossing I could never pour. From where I was to his demand, it seemed so far. I cry, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me. He came to me when I could not come to where he was. He came to me.
you but that was uh it was inspiring wasn't it Amen. praise the lord well i'll tell you what music's a powerful tool is it not well god uses music in a powerful way but may i warn you the devil does too the devil uses music too so you be careful what you listen to if that can move us i'm sure the devil's music can move us too so we need to be very careful we've been talking about finishing strong it's been a series that we started a few weeks back and we talked about the ledgers of life, and we spent just a few moments dealing with that and discussing that on the first week. And we made a note that there's an earthly ledger, and then there's also an eternal ledger. And we said that it's important that we emphasize and we focus on the eternal, that we're careful not to put all of our eggs in one basket, that we don't simply strive to accomplish or to somehow amass material gain, that we don't live our lives for this world and this life, but we live our life for the next ahead. And so we talked about that. We addressed that issue and we said, if we're going to finish strong, then we need to fill up that eternal ledger. We talked about time after that. We come the next week and we said, you know, the real question ought to be, what are you doing with your time? Not what are you doing with your life? Because time is life and life is time. And we noted that it's important that we fear God, we keep His commandments, that every waking moment we're emphasizing Him and His Word, that we're spending our, our days remembering the Lord Jesus Christ and giving Him the proper, uh, I guess, props, if you will. We're focusing on Him. Then we talked about what moves you last week. What moves you? And the Apostle Paul, he had endured tremendous persecution and he was headed to Jerusalem where he was assured by the Holy Ghost that... Well, his road would be hard and possibly lead even to his very death. Still, the Apostle Paul made the statement, none of these things move me. None of them move me. And you say, well, what moved the Apostle Paul? Well, it was the love of Christ. It wasn't his love for Christ necessarily to begin with. It was Christ's love for him that moved him. And then when Christ loves you, the Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. But boy, what moved and what motivated the Apostle Paul was the love of Jesus Christ. And boy, when we really get a glimpse of Christ and we recognize what He has done in our lives and for us, it will move us and it will motivate us in a way that will change our life and our destiny. Today, I want to continue in our series. And as we look at each of these areas, the ledgers of life and time and what moves us, those are all factors in finishing strong. Today I want to share a message that just entitled others. 
If we're going to finish strong, we need to make sure that our focus is correct. Obviously, we realize that Christ himself is priority, that Christ himself is first place in our lives. But may I say that Christ did not leave us here to emphasize or to focus on ourselves, but instead to focus our attention on others. Take your Bible, if you would. Look over to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Tonight we're in our Ecclesiastes study and we're going to be finishing that up. We're in chapter 12. We've just been kind of highlighting certain things in our Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes. For instance, chapter 1, chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, right on through. Each week just one main thought. Today we're going to focus uh, again on chapter 12, as I mentioned. And I think it'll be encouraging and a help to you if you're able to be back. I hope you will and hope you'll make time to be here. Uh, I almost, I almost... Uh, scrapped the message for this morning. I came this close and just simply preached. I was going to preach out of verse 1. And uh, that's probably not even where the message will be focused on tonight, but it may end up there somewhere, but just real close. And I said, Lord, you know I have no notes. You know I don't know anywhere else to turn in my Bible right now, but Ecclesiastes 12.1. And when the lady sang, I was very happy when he said, do this other one, the one that's already prepared. Now, I don't mind doing things. I'll obey the Lord. If he told me to preach Ecclesiastes 12.1 right now, I'll preach it. But, but here's the thing. I, I, I think that he meant for it to be tonight. <laughs> and I'm really convinced. I, the first song, I was ready to jump up and go Ecclesiastes 12.1. Second song, we're back over here to others, okay? So you pray for me either way. We'll see what God has for us, and we'll go find. And, and I, I think that he'll be pleased either way because they're both his, but it's right out of his word. By the way, do you know that preachers do nothing but plagiarize the Scriptures? That's what we ought to be doing, right? Uh, so he says, well, where do you get your message? Hey, well, you, get, you get them from a, a periodical? You're getting them from online? Did your wife write them? What, what happens? Man, I, I just steal them right out of the Bible, Right? Turn to Philippians 2, 1, 5, 1 through 5. I believe you're there. Let's go ahead and begin reading. Notice it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice as we read along, and we're done reading our portion of passage, but I'm going to go ahead and focus a little bit. Notice this mind. It says in verse 6, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Well, when we start talking about the mind of Christ, let me tell you, when it's all said and done, we could probably sum it up in one word, humble. Well, I'll tell you what, if there's an area that we strive, that we struggle with, I should say today in America, that we struggle with in our own lives, in our own homes, and in our own relationships, it's that word, 
humility. Well, we're not humble today. The world revolves around us. It's all about me, isn't it? And why not? That's what we're taught from the time we're little children. At least it seems that's what's being taught today. We change our schedules. We go about life in a different way, all to make sure Junior is comfortable. And Junior raises up, grows up, believing somehow that the world revolves around him. That if I don't like what's going on, Mom and Dad will change their schedule. If I don't appreciate staying late at church, then they'll just change the schedule and go home and not come to church. I just do whatever I want to do, and everybody has to work around my schedule, work around my needs, work around my desire, work around my wants. We are raising a generation and have raised a generation and unfortunately have been reprogrammed as adults even that the world is about me, mine. And sadly enough, that is not how God outlines or defines the Christian life. The Apostle Paul in this passage is writing to the Philippians. His relationship with them, of course, was very unique. It was a very intimate and a very special relationship. His great love for them had inspired him to exhort the people of God to look upon the things of others and not the things of themselves only. Listen, somebody does you a favor when they tell you that you're being selfish. They're doing you a favor when they tell you that it's not all about you. They're doing you a favor. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing for these Philippians. He's telling them, listen, he says, let not every man, he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And he goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, a humble spirit, a humble mind. Selfishness, again, is a growing epidemic. There's little doubt that each generation has become more increasingly selfish, more increasingly narcissistic. And you know, this phenomenon is not exclusive to our generation. It's not like we're the first generation to have this problem. If it was not for the fact that the Philippians must have also been uh, 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 inundated with it, Paul wouldn't have had to have mentioned it. So obviously, even way back there where Paul is located in his day and age, this was a growing problem. It seems that anyone, obviously, who's lost, anyone who is a carnal Christian, anytime we allow flesh to rule and reign in our lives, we're going to find that we're more prone to this. See, self is the problem in our lives, and it is the problem in this world. Listen, people don't bomb public places that are thinking about others. People don't go into schools and shoot it up when they're thinking about others. People don't walk away from their family and leave their wives, their children, or their their husband and their children when they're thinking about others. That doesn't happen when we're thinking about others. It happens when we're selfish and thinking about ourselves. And Paul is warning the Philippians, and he's exhorting the Philippians. And he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Yes, you have to focus on your business. You have to take care of issues. But don't get so consumed with yourself that you can't see the needs of others. William James said that the art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. You know, the petty and the mundane steal much of our time today. Too, much, too many of us are living for the wrong reasons. Dr. Anthony 
Campolo, he tells of a sociological study in which 50 people over the age of 95 were asked one question. The question? If you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? It was an open-ended question, and there were a number of different replies and answers. However, there were three answers that constantly, continually reemerged and dominated the results of the study. Number one, if I had to do it over again, these 95 and over men and women said, I would reflect more. They said, if, if I had to do it over again, I would risk more. And finally, they said, if I had to do it over again, I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. I'd do more things that would live on after I'm dead. 95 years and up. See, I believe that every one of us in this room today, I believe all of us want to leave this life believing somehow, some way we have impacted and influenced others in a positive manner. I believe every one of us wants to leave a legacy that will last. I don't know about you, but I want my life to count for something. I want it to mean something. What will you spend your life doing? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Turn there, would you please? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. What will you spend your life doing? Hey, let's face it, each and every one of us, our lives are limited, and we really don't know how long we have. But in 2 Peter 3.10, notice what the Bible says. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Listen, everything's going to be burned up one day, including the world itself. There's going to even be a new heaven and a new earth. We'll have new bodies, and so all things will become new. In Revelation 21, verse 1, the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So what are you going to live for then? Will you live for things that are going to be burned up? Will you invest your most energies and your talents and your treasures in the things that will one day be burned up? What's going to last? What's going to endure? Well, the Bible tells us what's going to endure. Look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I mean, what's really important? What's going to make a difference? <clears throat> Excuse me. How is it that we can <clears throat> leave a legacy that will continue after we're gone? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We go to the beginning of the Word of God. We find ourselves in a garden. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Note again, man became a living soul. What does that mean? It means that God gave him a soul that lives on. Life does not end with death. That there's more to living than simply this life. It goes on into the next, eternity even. Now you can invest your life many different ways. But there is only one investment that will live on. And may I say the only investment that's going to live on in your life and in mine is others. 
It won't be that home that you spend time investing in and building and and working on, although I think you ought to have a nice-looking home. If you're going to have one, you ought to take care of the yard. You ought to do things in a way that reflects positively on the Lord Jesus Christ. But my, we spend so much time. I know people who won't even go to church because they're busy doing yard work on Sundays so that their home can look pristine. May I tell you that that's going to be burned up one day. Only thing that's going to last are others. Many years ago, there was a great meeting of all the Salvation Army delegates. The highlight of the meeting was going to be a final address by their founder, their director, William Booth. Everyone was expectant. Everyone was excited about the message that he would share. And as they sat there, the crowd was somewhat unsettled, waiting on him to arrive and to share that message. When word arrived that General Booth would not be able to make the meeting. Now, of course, you can imagine they were sorely disappointed by that news. However, he had sent a special message for every one of the delegates that attended that meeting. I can't imagine what they were thinking. Well, what great words will he share with us? What great message will this man of God give to us? What stirring challenge? What theme will he present? As the message was opened, the following words were read. Members and friends at this great convention of the Salvation Army. Others. And the spokesman sat down. And there was total quiet. And then there was an air of shock in the room. Of all the things that General Booth could have shared with this delegation. He shared one significant word. Others. 2,000 years ago, the God of heaven came to this earth and he was born and he lived 30 years and he took up his ministry on this earth. He walked the dusty trails of Galilee where he was mocked, rejected by mankind, his own creation. And he found his way to Calvary where there they laid him on that cross and they nailed his hands and his feet to it. They raised him in the air and dropped him in that hole and there he hung between heaven and earth. For others. Oh, he didn't need to die for himself. He didn't need to leave the pristine environment of heaven and where angels waited on him hand and foot. He didn't do that for himself. He did that for you and he did it for me. He did it for others. How much of what you do is really fruitful, excuse me, really fruitless activity? How much of what you do really impacts the kingdom and eternity today? How much of what you read, study, and spend time doing truly conforms you to the image of Christ and encourages the mind of Christ in you? Who and what will live on after you're gone? The most important thing that we can spend our time, our spend spend our time doing is cultivating relationships with others. It's investing in the lives and the futures of others. That's the most important thing you could do. And that includes our spouses, our children, our friends, our family, our converts, our church brothers and sisters. 
See, our investment in others will shape minds, impact our culture. It will change our churches and refocus our families. It will revolutionize our relationships and transform our lives. Others. Others. Philippians 4, 2, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How am I going to finish strong? I want to hear him say, well done. Others. It's going to take some time. It'll take energy. It'll take sacrifice. Investing in others will ultimately produce a return, however. An uncle of R.U. Darby was caught by gold fever. And so he went west to Colorado and, and he sought gold. He wanted to strike it rich. So he took a pick and an axe and he dug until finally he struck gold. He was so excited and determined to be rich that he rushed home to tell his family. He told his family about all of his good fortune and he sought to raise money so that he could buy the necessary machinery and equipment to get the job done. Young Darby and his uncle purchased the needed equipment and they returned to that mine. They began to work that mine. They started where the vein of gold had been struck. They kept digging and they started getting gold out of that mine. But unfortunately, that vein dried up and disappeared. Desperately, they continued digging. Day after day, hour after hour, working, striving to once again recapture that vein of gold. But to no avail. The uncle got so overwhelmed and so frustrated that he just simply gave up and he quit working the claim. Defeated, they sold the mine and they sold the equipment to just a junk dealer for a few hundred dollars. And they took the next train and they headed east. After purchasing the equipment, the junk dealer thought to himself, my oh my, I've purchased all this equipment and everything's in its place and it wasn't that long ago there was gold in this here these here hills and why not give it a shot why not just take a stab at it why not just give it a try he began to dig and just three feet later he hit one of the greatest gold veins the nation has ever seen darby eventually recovered from his losses but he never forgot about the huge fortune that he and his uncle had missed out on simply because they gave up too soon. Darby would become an insurance salesman, but he'd never forget the lesson that he had learned. He was determined that he would never stop digging three feet from gold. He eventually became one of the most successful insurance salesmen of his day, earning over a million dollars every year in an era where, let's face it, there was a lot more, that was a lot more money than it is today. He did this because he knew what it took to be successful. And he was determined to never stop digging three feet from gold. See, the problem with you and I is that we often stop digging or investing in others too soon. And we pull up our stakes and we move to another person before we ever strike pay dirt. 
I don't know about you, but there's a lot of dirt covering the gold in my life. And there's a lot of dirt in your life. And unfortunately, and, or I should say hopefully, there's been somebody in your life that got to digging and striving and working your claim and trying to find the gold that's there. But too often as believers, we give up too soon on people. Maybe it's a husband, a wife, a child, a friend, or a loved one that we need to invest in today. You know, our legacy will be be determined by the lives we have influenced and impacted. Do you realize it's not going to simply be just on a whim? It's not going to be by accident that we'll be remembered, that a legacy will be left behind. It'll be on purpose. Your life and legacy will determine how you're remembered. And I can't stress the importance of of a life lived for Jesus Christ. What will you live your life for? Who will you live your life for? Will you live it for yourself? Will you live it only for yours? Or will you live it for Him and others? Well, now that'll leave a legacy. Let not every man... Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I want to encourage you to establish a legacy beginning today. Don't wait. Start today. Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Again, Jesus did not come for his own sake. He came for yours and for mine. He was quite comfortable in heaven. But instead he left it to endure the grief, the shame, the misery for others. Teddy Stollard was turned off by school. He was a pretty sloppy looking child, to be frank with you. He was expressionless. He was rather unattractive. Even his teacher, Miss Thompson, enjoyed kind of bearing down her red pen as she placed X's beside his many wrong answers. If only she had studied his records more carefully. If only she would have read what had been going on in Teddy's life, first grade. Ted shows promise with his work and attitude, but has poor home situation. In second grade, it says Ted could do better. Mother seriously ill. Receives little help from home. His third grade teacher observed and watched as Teddy continued in class and wrote finally, Ted is... It's a good boy, but too serious. He's a slow learner. His mother died this year. And in fourth grade, his teacher wrote, Ted is very slow, but well behaved. His father shows no interest whatsoever. Christmas arrived and, you know, all the children, they piled all these elaborate wrapped gifts on their teacher's desk. Teddy, he he brought one too. It was wrapped in brown paper and it was held together with scotch tape. 
Miss Thompson opened each gift as the children crowded around to watch. And out of Ted's package fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet and, and half the stones were missing. And there was a little bottle of, of cheap perfume. The children, they kind of began to snicker and laugh. And Mrs. Thompson silenced all the children by kind of splashing some of the perfume on her wrist and then letting them smell it. She put the bracelet on too. At the end of the day, after all the children had left, Teddy came by the teacher's desk and said, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother. And the bracelet looks real pretty on you. I'm glad you like my present. And he just left. Mrs. Thompson, she got on her knees that day and she asked God to forgive her and to change her attitude. And the next day, the children were greeted by a reform teacher. One committed to loving each and every one of them and showing them kindness, especially the slow ones, especially Teddy. Surprisingly, or well, not so surprisingly, Teddy began to show great improvement. You know, as a matter of fact, he actually caught up to most of the students and he even passed a few of them. The time came and went. Mrs. Thompson heard nothing from Ted for a long time. Then one day, she received this note, a short note. It simply said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'll be graduating second in my class. Love, Ted. It'd be four years before she heard from him again, and she received a note that said, I wanted you to be the first to know I'll be graduating second in my class. Love, Ted. And approximately four years later, Miss Thompson got another note, and it said, As of today, I am Theodore Stollard, M.D. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sit if she were alive. You're the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Mrs. Thompson, she, Miss Thompson attended that wedding. She sat where Ted's mother would have sat. You know, the, 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 the love and the compassion, the kindness that she had shown that young man entitled her to that privilege. She had invested and that investment changed the life and future of that little boy. See, look not every man on his own things but every man also in the things of others. How often are we guilty of only focusing on our needs, our desires, our wants, our longings, when all around us there's a world dying and going to hell, when all around us there are needs prevailing, they're prevalent in all places, people are hurting, enduring great griefs and suffering, and we look at our lives, and if we're not careful, we can only fixate and focus on ourselves, and we forget about all the others. And yet, the God of heaven literally left it and came to earth and died in our stead and paid for our sin. He gave up glory to come to this earth and endure glory for you and me, others. And he says to you and I today, it's time to quit thinking about yourself it's time to stop focusing your attention on you and yours. It's time to think about others. It's time to give yourself to something bigger than yourself.
our investment in others will shape minds and impact our culture. It'll change our churches. It'll refocus our families. It'll revolutionize our relationships and transform our lives. You're tired of raising selfish children? Then stop being selfish. You're tired of raising entitled children? Then stop being entitled. It's time that we think about others and not only ourselves. And as we enter the church house, it's so easy to say, I'm just going to relax and take a seat and be ministered to. Because it's really about me. What about that person sitting beside you whose wife's going through cancer and only has months or a year to live? While we sit and just take it all in, thinking about ourselves, their lives are in a shamble and wrecked. They need somebody to get up and think about others. May God help us not to be about us, but to realize that Jesus Christ didn't save us to simply sit and sour. He saved us to serve Him and to serve others. I promise you the greatest way that you'll reflect Christ positively in the world we live is by investing in others. Sing in the choir all day. Help in the nursery. Work, work, work in the music program. Make meals for funerals. That's good. I get it. But let me tell you something. Every day of our life, we can be investing in others. Every day of our life, we can be saying a positive word. Every day in our life, we can give a smile and greet people with love. There's more to it than just simply having our needs met and feeling good about ourselves. It's about others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, you may be thinking, I have a lifetime to invest in others. I want you to know you don't. Some years ago, on a Friday afternoon, the future seemed extremely bright for a group of students traveling to another service. The Crown College tour group, Aaron, 21, Darcy Brown, 22, Brad Askew, 22, David Childers, 21, and Jonathan Pickerton, 18, were traveling the, south, the whole southeast, singing, ministering, holding meetings, working with young people, helping churches, doing anything they could to encourage and help pastors. Each of the group was extremely talented. They had dreams of serving the master in the ministry when the unthinkable happened. While headed west on State Road 60, an eastbound truck blew a tire and crossed the median, hitting their Ford Econoline van head-on. The collision caused the vehicle to burst into flames and it incinerated everything and everyone in the vehicle almost immediately. In the blink of an eye, life for those young people was over and heaven became a reality. I'm sure that there wasn't one of those young people that had imagined that that day would be their last on earth, but it was. They had thought, I'm sure, that they had a lifetime, a lifetime to serve Jesus, a lifetime to enjoy life, a lifetime to spend with family, friends, and loved ones, a lifetime to invest in others even. 
But their legacy came to an end that fateful afternoon. Or at least it would have seemed. Because fortunately for them, they had invested their lives in others before that day. They didn't say, I have tomorrow. They said, I've only got today. And boy, how the Lord used their testimony and used their lives to inspire hundreds and thousands of young people. They may not have lived long lives, But they were full in their influence and legacy because they did not wait to invest in others. They didn't say tomorrow. They didn't say next week. They didn't say next month or next year or whenever the house finally gets paid off, when finally I'm able to back away from work, when finally I'm able to focus a little more attention on God and the things of God. Right now it's about me. Right now it's about mine. They didn't do that. Thankfully, they didn't wait. You know what? You don't know how much time you have before you'll be called. Maybe today you're lost without Christ. Let me tell you something. Don't you delay and don't you wait one moment longer to receive and accept Him. Jesus Christ loved you so much that He died on an old rugged cross. He bore your shame and your guilt. He shed His precious perfect blood in your stead. And He did that so that you could dwell with Him forever. That while on earth He could dwell in you. Well, don't delay, but allow him into your life. And then begin focusing your attention on others today. And you might be a believer today. And you say, well, years ago I used to. And in the past I did. And let me tell you, it's time to get started in the influencing business again. It's time to focus our attention on it. You say, well, I'm older now. I know you might be older, but that doesn't mean you're dead. You still write a note or you can do a text or an email. You can still make a phone call. You can still encourage a brother or sister in Christ. You can still impact and influence people. Sit around and soaking and souring and crying in your milk. You know what I wanted to say. But I hope you're not doing that. Who can you invest in that will carry on your legacy long after you're gone? Don't you want to leave a legacy before you die? And when you die? You want your life to amount to something, right? So do I. You want to leave something behind when you go, right? I know I do. How are we going to do that? Others. Before Jesus ascended, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If I could boil that down to one word, Jesus simply said to his disciples that day, Others. Who will you invest in beginning today? I use this often, but I love this poem, and I used it just a few weeks ago. But let me share it one more time. 
C.T. Studd wrote a very thoughtful and provoking poem, and it goes like this. Two little lines I heard one day. Traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish, selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Jesus left us an example indeed. That example is others. What will you do differently as of today because of others? How will you change the way you approach people and deal with people and talk to people? What will you do differently in the house of God? Will you, will you find the means by which you can interact and ultimately make an impact in lives through ministry? Will we rise up out of our seats and like an army reach out to others? We remain comfortable, steadfast, unmovable, never abounding in the work of the Lord. May God help us, like Jesus, to focus our attention on others. Others. You want to finish strong? Then make sure you emphasize and that you put others in the equation. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the privilege that we have, Lord, to know you, to love you. We pray that you would be glorified in our lives. Father, today we're asking that, that the word of God would Truly speak to our hearts that your Holy Spirit would apply truth. May we not be selfish and self-centered. May we not be uh, Christians that 
are waiting for others to simply bless us, but may we be a blessing to others. I pray for that soul that has yet to receive and accept Christ, and I ask that you would speak to their heart, that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them of their sin and their need to receive and accept Jesus, for He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto thee but by Him. May they allow your precious, perfect blood, Lord Jesus, to wash their sin away. May they be received into your family. And then go on about business, the business of others, helping others, reaching out to others, winning others, and training others, and teaching others, and striving to see others blessed as they themselves have been. As believers, help us today, we pray. We need you desperately. May we treat our families different. May we treat our loved ones differently. May we always remember that it's not about us, it's about others. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet every head.